This is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by TripInsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Here we go. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. How's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here. Coming up on this week's show, a review of Carnival Legend. Also, Sherry Laskin is checking in from Alaska with Cruise News. Rob from CruisingExcursions.com answers a couple of your listener questions. And so I've been getting a couple of emails about the latest, I guess the first name storm of the hurricane season and asking me if cruises are okay. I'm not a meteorologist, but I do know one. So in just a second, we'll check in with Action News meteorologist Greg D to find out the latest on that storm, Andrea. Real quick here, though, a couple of new videos on the Cruise Radio YouTube channel. A Carnival Ecstasy walkthrough tour. It's a new ship we have in Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, she's, well, you can decide for yourself if you think she's holding up well or if she needs to, uh, you know, go under the knife. And also a 21 Changes to Carnival Sunrise video. That's at the Cruise Radio YouTube channel. All right, first up is ABC Action News meteorologist Greg D. Hey, Greg. Hey there, Doug. All right, so let's tackle the emails I've been getting, Greg. What's the deal with the storm out there? Well, you know, Andrew, actually is not going to be an issue for Bermuda as that system has already fallen apart. It was a very early starter uh, forming over some cool waters, some unfavorable conditions in the upper atmosphere around that storm. So actually, the Hurricane Center has stopped issuing any updates on the storm as of Tuesday night. So anyone sailing to Bermuda in the next week should have no issues with any tropical systems. This is a good reminder, though, that hurricane season is just two weeks away and that we typically see our activities start in the Western Caribbean and the Gulf of Mexico. Those are the first areas that get busy. Uh, so time to start checking the weather before you hit that cruise ship. Thank you, Greg. Now Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hey, Doug. So a Carnival cruise line ship diverted for a rescue in the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, this happened yesterday while about 13 miles off the coast of Cozumel. Carnival Paradise received an alert that a small boat was in distress and sinking and one person was in the water. So instead of continuing back to its home port of Tampa, the ship reversed course and headed to the scene. Once there, a rescue boat was lowered and the boat's operator, the little boat's operator, was brought on board. And after food, water, and medical treatment, Carnival personnel worked with the Mexican authorities and the man, a Mexican national, returned home in good condition. So that was a a nice ending to what could have been a horrible conclusion. On Tuesday, Royal Caribbean announced one of their largest refurbishments yet. This is one of my favorite ships in the Royal Fleet. So Royal Caribbean just announced that it will spend $165 million to refurbish the 10-year-old Oasis of the Seas. And this will happen this fall. It's all part of Royal Caribbean's 10-ship reamplification program. Um, and Oasis of the Seas will received quite a few additions. And the 63-day refurbishment is really going to be massive. And I'll give you a little rundown of just um, of what's going to be happening, if you have a second here. And so one major addition will be a Caribbean-themed pool deck, and it'll have Splashway Bay. And this includes a water park with, you know, it's mainly for this part's for kids, top-sized splash pads, uh, three mini water slides, water cannons, and two drench buckets. And there for the adults will also be uh, Royal Caribbean's popular lime and a coconut cocktail bar with live music. Um, also in the water park, there will be three water slides, and those are together called the Perfect Storm. 
Plus, they're going to put the ultimate abyss that will be billed as the tallest water slide at sea. And joining Carnival and Norwegian with a barbecue venue, Royal Caribbean is going to add port side barbecue, and they'll offer pretty much the same foods as the others, a marble brisket, which kind of means a fatty brisket, chicken, beef ribs, and all the sides like cornbread and baked beans and things of that nature that you would expect. And they're also going to add El Loco Fresh, you know, serving typical tacos and burritos up on the pool deck. But then down in the Royal Promenade, they're going to put in a new karaoke stage and two private karaoke rooms. Um, for covered bands with live music, Music Hall will be the place to go. There will also be a dance floor and pool tables. So the schedule is after refurbishment, Oasis will spend the winter sailing seven-night cruises from Miami. And then in May of 2020, the ship will move up to Bayonne, New Jersey for seven-night cruises. Okay, so first off, I, I guess we should say that you are actually in Alaska right now on Royal Caribbean's Radiance of the Seas. So if your signal is cutting in and out, that is exactly why. And the second thing I want to say is that $165 million to Oasis. First off, I can't believe Oasis is already 10 years old almost. Yeah, I know. It's pretty incredible. And then Allure is right behind that, a year, a year younger. That blows my mind, but I love I mean, obviously, you know me. I love the fact that barbecue is coming on the ship. Did it say if there's going to be like a four fee or is it going to be complimentary? You know, I can't answer that. I, I looked and I didn't see an answer. Um, I'm going to, I know, I can't answer that. You know, Carnival's is free, Norwegian charges, so... A retired fisherman came to the rescue of some of those plane crash victims last week in Alaska. Um, and I, I guess, uh, Sherry, for the folks who missed it, uh, kind of set this story up and then go into the retired fisherman. Sure. Well, it happened last week, and it was in the, in the morning hours. So I don't know if it was misty out or what, but two float planes with passengers, you know, filled with passengers. They collided midair. Um, near Ketchikan and, of course, fell to the ground, and uh, six people total were killed, one of which was one of the pilots. All passengers were from the Royal Princess, and they were on a seven-night inside passage cruise. So getting back to the the Alaskan fishermen, this just came out. Um, According to the AP, this fisherman happened to view the midair accident and sped over to the scene, One of the planes hit the water so hard that the floats were ripped off the bottom and the plane sank, but he was able to pull passengers out of the icy water. And again, um, you know, of the 14 passengers, five died plus one of the pilots. And, uh, you know, he was a hero. Mm. Have you been to Ketchikan yet? Yeah, we were there yesterday, and I sat there and watched the float planes take off and land and off and land. And I overheard some passengers talking about it, but um, I also overheard passengers that couldn't wait to try it. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's popular. Um, I know there were some facts that that were they were investigating um, the air, airline companies themselves, but uh, you know that's still all um, uh, NTSB. Mm-hmm. Um, information that I don't have privy to. Last but not least, Nassau said, enough is enough with dumping in our water. Yeah, you know, this is pretty interesting. The Bahamian government is thinking about introducing new domestic laws to crack down on sewage dumping and pollution from the cruise lines. And right now, this is kind of gross. According to international law, if you are just three miles out from an island, the ship can discharge treated waste. 
And if you're 12 miles out, your ship can discharge untreated waste. 12 miles out isn't that much when the current starts moving. Anyway, if the Bahamas makes that decision, then they're going to have to build the infrastructure because they'll be the ones to collect treated and untreated ship sewage. They'll collect the bilge water, and then they'll have to charge the cruise ships for all the work they're doing. If you want a little bit of background, uh, Carnival Corporation cruise ships have discharged nearly 500,000 gallons of oily treated bilge water into Bahamian waters. You know, for doing that and the subsequent cover-up, the company was fined $40 million in a U.S and put out five years probation. It worries me that they can dump, the cruise lines can legally dump untreated water 12 miles off the coast, unless my understanding of untreated water is different. You know, untreated to me is black water. Treated is gray water. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, and you know, I just can't imagine just purely untreated waste going into the ocean. Yeah. And, And I just can't, and I... You know, I, maybe there's like a third level in there somewhere that they're referring to for the untreated that, you know, it still gets through some sort of a sanitization process, but it's not categorized treated or totally untreated. So I guess you need a scientist or a maritime expert to tell us more about this. Here in Jacksonville, whenever they talk about untreated waste, they're talking about like overflow from sewages, but I don't know if that's the same on the water, though. So I don't want to I want to stay in my lane here and know what I'm talking about. Uh, listener question here comes from Ken. Ken says, hi, Doug and Sherry. We are sailing on Norwegian Spirit July 21st, doing a 12 day British Isles heritage cruise. This will be our first time sailing NCL, but our ninth cruise overall. My question is regarding anytime dining. I'm hearing that we need or should make reservations. I thought anytime dining is just show up and eat when you want to eat. Am I mistaken? Well, Kind of, sort of, yes. Well, Ken, um, while anytime dining does make you think exactly like you did and like most people do, yet you can just dine anytime, it really doesn't always work like that. So, for example, say on the spur of the moment you decide you want to have dinner that evening at 7 o'clock. So, and this is pretty much across the board how this works. Without a reservation, you and everyone else who wants to dine at 7 without a reservation would just show up at the door form a queue, and then one by one, based on table availability, you'd be seated. So, you know, in theory, your preference to dine at 7 o'clock could really mean you'll be seated at 7.25. You know, you just don't really know. So I guess one way to avoid that would be to show up at 6.45, and then hopefully you'll be seated by 7. But if you make a 7 p.m. reservation, you know, you'll still stand in a queue. One side will be marked those without and those that have a reservation, but um, you'll take priority and the line will move much quicker on your reservation side than that for those who just show up and you know, are waiting to get in at seven. So, you know, again, it seems to be the same procedure on all the cruise lines that offer some version of what do you want to call it? My time, any time, dine when you wish, dining time. So, yeah, it's not exactly show up and be seated at the time that you show up. Make a reservation if you can, even that morning, um, if, if you want to be that for the moment. But I know, for example, here on Radiance, we are just talking about I'm on the ship. Um, I called, uh, I wanted a 7.30 dining time, and I called about 10 o'clock in the morning. And I'm only one. 
so it wasn't much trouble, but first they assumed I was, you know, in a larger party and they said, well, we can get you in at eight or eight fifteen, but that's just me. Um, and there was no problem, but yeah. So, you know, the sooner you can make a reservation for anytime dining, um, the, be- the easier it will be. In 2019, I think it's safe to say that anytime di- there is no such thing as anytime dining. It's yeah, you can make your way to the dining room when you want to go. But I was on Carnival Sunshine or what Sunrise rather, uh, what ten days ago, and I went to the main dining room. I checked in at the podium, and they gave me a pager and said there's a 45 minute wait. So that 7 p.m. dining time turned into 7:45. In hindsight, I should have just took late dining or early dining because I would have had dinner at the same time every night. I, I know Norwegian doesn't offer that, but all that to say, anytime dining is really not anytime dining. Exactly. That's you know it's a misnomer. What can I say? Been talking with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com in Alaska. Uh, Sherry, where uh, where are you headed next? Well, tomorrow we will be in Skagway, um, and I'm, I just cannot wait to do the White Pass and Yukon Railroad. So I'll have to tell you more about that next time. Have a good one. Thanks, Doug. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime straight from Cruise Radio. When is your next cruise? Where are you going? And what are you going to do once you get there? Market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com offers savings up to 60% offshore excursions versus cruise line prices. Whether it's private, shared, scenic, historic, or family tours, CruisingExcursions.com has up to 12,000 excursions in over 700 ports worldwide, like Rome, Vatican City, St. Petersburg, Sydney, and Jamaica, just to name a few. You can even bundle your excursions for more savings. Make your next vacation affordable and unforgettable by visiting CruisingExcursions.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at CruiseRadio.net. Jamie just returned from a seven-night cruise on Carnival Legend out of Seattle. He joins us on the line. Hey, Jamie. Hey, how's it going, Doug? Good, man. I was actually going through all your photos today you sent me, and uh, wow, you took a lot of them, but was this your first time in Alaska? This was all of our first time yeah. going to Alaska. We had a group of 63. Wow, that's so awesome. So uh, we're going to talk all about Carnival Legend and your trip. But before we get there and 63 of you guys, uh, we'll take a step back. What made you want to book this seven-night cruise on Carnival Legend to Alaska? So uh, about every two years, we do a group cruise. And it's um, just a bunch of friends from a summer camp that we used to work at. And it's expanded a little bit into family and and um, some of our other friends, too. Um, we just wanted to do something different, and we all thought Alaska. And when we booked it, we were like 585 days <laughs> away. So it was a long, long time in advance. Did you get a decent rate booking that far out? You know, it was the best rate we saw. Okay. We set uh, rate alerts, mm-hmm. and when we booked, it never got any lower. It just kept climbing higher and higher. So you're out there in uh, in Vermont, and you had to get over to Seattle. Did you do any pre-cruise time over there? Yeah, we hung out in Seattle for a couple days uh, beforehand. We flew in on Sunday, and we left on Tuesday. So we got to go around and see the sights of the air, the Space Needle, the Pikes Place, the Fish Market, um, things like that. Very good. You make your way to the uh, cruise pier to embark Carnival Legend. How was the embarkation process? It was one of the easiest embarkations we've ever had. Um, you know, this we usually buy faster to the fun, but we decided not to on this cruise. 
uh, just because there were so many of us and we figured we could wait. But there was no need to have any of that. Uh, from the time we got off the shuttle to the time we were on the ship was maybe 15 minutes. Wow, that's really fast. Yeah, it was it was <laughs> fast. Um, it was they just kept waving us in. Some of our we showed up around noontime, and some of the people in our group had like a two thirty boarding time. Mm-hmm. But they just said, "Come on in, lines are low," and they just let them waved them on through. How long did that take to get your bags, though? Uh, we got our bags probably by about six o'clock that okay. evening. Okay. From sh- uh, curb to ship was about 15 minutes, you said. What were your first impressions once you got on board Carnival Legend? Uh, we've never been on that class of ship before, so it was a little surprising that most of the stuff was on deck two and three. It looked like it was brand new because it just had gone in dry dock, I think, in April or May. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did a bunch of refurbishments, added like a Red Frog pub and things like that to it. So there was a lot of new things inside. Um, it was it was very exciting to walk on board and see this new style of ship. Yeah, for sure. What's the first thing you did when you got on board? Uh, I think we went and got margaritas. Okay. Um, and then we went up to uh, grab some lunch. What kind of stateroom did you book and what did you think of it? So we booked uh, an interior stateroom with French doors which I was pretty excited about to have like the cool Alaskan air at nighttime. But during dry dock, they actually replaced the doors, which is floor to ceiling windows. Mm-hmm. So um, that was a little bit of a bummer, but it definitely didn't take away from our experience. It just made us go and spend more time outdoors. There was plenty of room in there for all of our stuff. It was just my wife and I. And, um, you know, it was great to have the windows to, to have the light in to, to determine if it's nighttime or morning. So they replaced the French doors with floor-to-ceiling windows, you said? Yeah. See, now, I recently I recently have gotten turned on to those, um, like I think they're like 6K and 6J category staterooms that Carnival has with the floor-to-ceiling windows. And I've been looking at those or trying to look at them. Those things sell out like 18 months in advance. This room was a complete obstructed view. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lucked out where I we got in between two of the lifeboats. So we had a little path to see out to the ocean, but our neighbors next to us, a couple of our friends had complete lifeboat and in, in their view. So, yeah. So let's talk about dining and we'll start in the main dining room. What time dining did you guys have? Uh, we went with early dining on this one, mm-hmm. which is usually six fifteen, but on this cruise, they, they had it at five thirty. I guess that makes sense with people. It's a West coast cruise and People right. kind of want to eat a little bit earlier. And uh, how was the service in there? The service was great. Uh, our our wait team was awesome. By the second night, they knew all of our names and they knew all of our uh, numbers on our cards. So we we didn't have to show them our cards when we wanted drinks. And uh, they were great. Isn't it crazy how they remember that? I You know, I, I am in a business where I work with a lot of people and I cannot remember names like yeah. that. <laughs> I'm always like, like in the break room, I'm always like, Hey bud, how you doing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For for sure. How about the buffet area? Uh, the buffet was, was a little bit different than a lot of the other ships I've been on. Um, but it was very good. It, it seemed a little crowded just like any other buffet if you go right at peak times. But for the most part, all the food was, was pretty good. They had a chopsticks section um, we ate a lot at the Blue Iguana Cantina, and of course, Guy's Burgers was always good. Is there a steakhouse on that ship? Yes. And did you dine there? 
I did not, okay. but we had a few friends that went and they loved it. it it's interesting because it's at the top and part of the funnel mm-hmm. is that glass roof yeah. on that class of ship, yeah. which was uh, pretty cool to look at. So awesome. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so let's talk about entertainment. How was the entertainment on this seven night? Um, the entertainment shows on the front of the ship at night were good. The comedy shows were, re- were pretty good, too. Um, there wasn't as many activities as you would have uh, in a Caribbean cruise, mm-hmm. I think because of the clientele, you know, we could definitely tell it was a little older and most of us were in our thirties and, and some people in our twenties, but you know, we went to a lot of trivias um, and we spent a lot of time outdoors. We got some fantastic weather. So, you know, activities like water slides and things like that, we spent a lot of time doing those. So on this um, sailing, you had a couple of sea days slash scenic cruising, they call it. Uh, how was the ship as far as the crowds and congestion? If you stepped outside, there was no one outside, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> especially on the first day. It was a little cooler out on the first day. And even on in, indoors in the ship, I don't think we ever really ran into any crowds um, walking around the ship couple times the casino was super busy uh, but other than that you know everything flowed pretty smoothly where the where the casino is placed on that the, the spirit class ships is there like did you, did you notice any kind of a smoke issue late at night i definitely noticed smoke in the casino mm-hmm. but as soon as we walked got outside the casino area there wasn't really much lingering anywhere else do you remember who the cruise director was her name was jen uh she was a british british girl um a little bit older than a typical Caribbean cruise director that we've cruise directors that we've sailed with, but she was, she was good. Jen Baxter, probably, um, red hair. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Very so. short. Yeah. Yeah. That's her for sure. Yeah. Um, very good. So on this cruise, you went to Skagway, Juno, Ketchikan and Victoria, and you spent a day, um, some scenic cruising down Glacier Bay. Was it, was it Glacier Bay you went through? Uh, Tracy's Arm Tracy's Fjord. Arm Fjord. There you go. Just for time's sake, let's just start at your first port and just bang through those and give us um, a highlight from each port. Uh, Tracy's Arm was fantastic because normally in the Caribbean, the cruise ship is the biggest thing around, the tallest thing, mm-hmm. and the cruise ship was dwarfed by the mountains. Um, and not only like being able to drive, you know, snake our way through the fjord, we saw orcas and killer whales and seals. Um, we saw humpback whales, porpoises, just the wildlife was was so great. Uh, I think a lot of it had to do with the weather being so nice. The naturalists said they normally don't see this many animals, but we hit almost 80 degrees every single day. So um, that, was a, that was definitely the highlight, Tracy's arm. In Skagway, we did the White Mountain Pass train ride, which took us up the White Mountain Pass, 20 miles up. We crossed the border into Canada really quick and then ended up coming back down. And then we walked around the town a little bit, which was pretty awesome. They've done a good job keeping Skagway looking like an old-timey town. And talk to us about Juneau. Uh, So Juneau, we decided to do an excursion on our own. One of my friends used to work on uh, the glacier there. Uh, running dog sleds for the cruise passengers. And he said the best views he's ever gotten was this mountain called Mount Jumbo or Mount Bradley. Mm-hmm. And um, so we just, we got off the ship as soon as we got there. We took public transit over to the trailhead, which was uh, ended up being $2 a person. So there was five of us that hiked, and we started hiking at sea level 
And then three hours later, we summited uh, the top of the mountain, which the views were fantastic. And then we had to turn around pretty quickly because the ship was leaving in four hours and it took us three hours to get there. So it took us three hours again to leave, get back down the mountain. And we, luckily the bus was two minutes late because we were one minute late to the public transit bus station. Um, <laughs> and then we caught the bu last bus back over to the ship and we got back on just before last call. Oh, that could have turned out so bad. Oh, yeah. We were ready to call a couple Ubers and pay a lot of money to get over there pretty quickly. Wow. But it was it was a fast and furious hike that I don't think I would try again in that same time frame. But uh -huh. it was, looking back at it, it was it was very much worth it. And how about Ketchikan? Ketchikan, we ended up doing the touristy thing and we went to the Lumberjack show, which was pretty awesome. They did a good job. It's a it's a whole show. They they do all the lumberjack activities, plus there's a lot of comedy written into the show. Um, and all the actors that we saw did a great job. And your last port was Victoria, which the cruise lines typically don't stay there too long. What did you do? Uh, we stayed on the ship and played mini golf. Okay. Uh, a lot of friends got off and walked around town, but it was it was a taxi ride to get to the center of town. Yeah. Um, and they all loved it. They thought it was one of the better ports on the cruise i think just because it was it was a little bit bigger of a of a city meanwhile the other all the other ports that we went to were a lot smaller right so you make your way back to the port of seattle how was your debarkation same as embarkation it only took us probably by the time we got done with breakfast we took our we did self-assist so we took our luggage down the elevator walked off the ship uh, from the time we started leaving breakfast to the time we were on the curb was, you know, 15 minutes again. We didn't have to fill out customs forms, and we just showed there was no lines in the terminal at all. you got to love a quick disembarkation. Oh, yeah. Well, looking back on this cruise, you have any first-time tips to offer? I would say be ready for rainy weather, but we didn't see any <laughs> uh, the whole time, you know. I, I would say just just be prepared to be outside the whole time. The mm -hmm. day that we were in Tracy's Arm Fjord, I, I was outside at six thirty in the morning, and I don't think we I went back inside until dinner time. Um, there's just so much to see. By that time, I had seen so many whales and so much wildlife, and there were people that were saying, "Oh, I haven't seen any yet." <laughs> and you ask them where they were, they said, "Well, we were inside doing this and doing that." It's like you got to get outside and see the sights. Does does Carnival open up that front part of the ship during Alaska sailings for like um, a, for like an observation right area bridge, or right below the bridge? Yeah, that, no, that wasn't open. There okay. was a bunch of crew members down there mm -hmm. when we were sailing Tracy's Arm Fjord, but right above the bridge on this class of ship, there's a great viewing area that was pretty packed on the way into Tracy's Arm Fjord, mm -hmm. but on the way out, everyone went inside, and we were traveling with the wind. Yeah, you could. You could hear the, the glaciers cracking. You could hear the waterfalls coming off the mountains. You could hear the whales when they came up out of the water uh, and the water spouts. Um, it was a pretty great area. So amazing. Yeah. Well, in closing here, Jamie, what are your final thoughts of Carnival Legend? I would definitely sail Carnival Legend again. It, it was a great ship. The crew was awesome. The, the fun staff was amazing. We had met a couple of them on a previous group cruise. Um, so we and they told us they were going to be on this ship. So it was good to see them again um, and reconnect. Um, I would say if, if you can do Alaska, uh, definitely do it. 
We've been talking with Jamie about his seven-night cruise to Alaska on Carnival Legend. Thank you, Jamie. Thanks, Doug. We always enjoy answering your questions here on the show. If you have one, drop me a line, Doug, at cruiseradio.net. We have some Mediterranean and Northern Europe shore excursion questions today. Fielding them is Rob from cruisingexcursions.com. Welcome to the show, Rob. Thank you very much, Doug. Hiya. First question, suggestions for food or wine tours in Marseille, France. Oh, lovely. So, yeah, definitely. We've certainly got some tours that uh, match that criteria. We've got um, our private luxury tour, Aix-en-Provence sightseeing and wine tasting tour. So, you know, straight off the bat, that ticks all the boxes for them there. Um, so, it gives them a nice overview, go to explore Aix-en-Provence um, and also passing through Marseille from the port as well. Okay. Um, obviously, once they're in Provence, it's a medieval city, so you know it's very charming, um, very quaint, all like cobbled streets and um, and that sort of things. So they get some time to spend within Provence, have a walking tour of the city, see the cathedral and the town hall, and they will get to taste some of the local cuisine as well um, at the food market. So that's another little um, box ticked on their tour for them. And of course, they get some free time given as well. So if they want to go, you know, maybe grab a coffee and ice cream. Maybe do some people watching. That's one of my favorite things to do on holiday. Um, and then obviously once they've had their free time, they'll move to Chateau Lacoste, which is a gorgeous winery located in the countryside just outside of Provence. And from there, they would have a wine tasting course of around three different wines that they can taste. And then, of course, they will have the option if they want to maybe get a souvenir bottle or something like that. They could always bring that back with them. Next question here comes from David. We are porting for two days in St. Petersburg, and we really would like to see the ballet. Is this something you can offer? We're also concerned about the visas. We have heard that they're really expensive for St. Petersburg. Do you have any information regarding this? You know, with St. Petersburg, it's the jewel of any Baltic sailing. And of course, as mentioned there with the visa restrictions, you know, people do have to be booked on a tour or have a visa to be able to disembark the ship. Now, all of the tours that we include that we offer include a blanket visa so that covers the customer for the duration of the excursion so all we would need there is just their passport details at the time of booking and we do all the rest of the work for them it's that easy and then we'll send through um, their vouchers four weeks before they sail which will have the visas attached for them so that's one less thing for the customer to worry about because as you say um, you know if you're to apply for them directly it can work out very expensive um, and a few like lengthy trips to and from the embassy. So um, it's not really worth the hassle when you can book a tour and have everything included within that um, that covers you for your stay in St. Petersburg. Now, regarding the ballet, of course, um, you know, the opportunity to see a Russian ballet whilst in St. Petersburg is definitely not to be missed. Um, so we do offer a tour um, on a shared basis, but of course, with a, a pickup from the port that would take them to one of three theatres that we offer. So it's either the Mikhailovsky Theatre, the Aurora Theatre, or the Hermitage. Now, the Hermitage Theatre obviously is located within the art gallery. Um, it's absolutely stunning theatre. And it's always a choice of the three shows that we have access to. So it's Swan Lake, the Nutcracker, or Don Quixote. Now, obviously, um, the playbills for the ballet are released six weeks beforehand. So that's when we would have the information. We could then relay that onto the customer of what show they're going to see. Um, but of course, you know, it's not to be missed. Any of the three shows are going to be fantastic. You know, to experience a Russian ballet, it's one of those once-in-a-lifetime things. So um, it's something I always recommend to our customers just to make the most of their time while in St. Petersburg. Jennifer has the next question. Our Mediterranean cruise is booked for next June. We have a stop in Santorini. What should we do? It's my husband and myself, and we are very active. 
Oh, okay, rightio. Um, so yes, yeah, Santorini, you know, it's one of those one of those popular destinations for cruisers and holidaymakers as well. Um, so we have a, a whole host of different excursions that we can offer um, for Santorini. But with this customer, you know, mentioned they are quite active. One I could recommend is um, quite a new one that we've loaded, and it's called the Secret Santorini: Discovering a Volcano and Hot Springs. And it's a very exciting new tour that we have and offers something a little bit different rather than just a general sightseeing tour of the area. Now, with this tour, you'll be met at the port. And then from, cat, um, from the port, you'll take a catamaran and that will take them to the island of Nia Kamini, which is still classed as an active volcano. Now, and thousands of tourists from all over the world like to obviously come and visit this volcano, um, whether that's for hiking reasons or just to take in the scenery, get some lovely, lovely photos. Um, then, of course, they have that option. And it's only just a small island. So it's only around about two kilometers in length. So it's a very small, uninhabited island. And obviously, it's classed as a volcano. And then once um, they've spent some time on that island, the catamaran will then move across to Nia Kamini Island. Sorry, Palia Kamini Island. Now, with that island, you're not able to actually go ashore. But it is known for its hot springs and its waters around the coastal area. So you're able to get off the catamaran, you know, go for a little dip in the hot springs. So I definitely recommend um, you know, taking your bathing suits, um, some towels and that sort of thing, because um, you'll have the option there just to relax, um, you know, unwind in those hot springs and just chill out a little bit um, after you've had like the active day on the volcano and that sort of thing. So um, a very different tour to what we normally offer in Santorini, but it is proven to be quite popular. OK, now that tour sounds really, really cool. Mm-hmm. It's definitely yeah. something different. As I say, the other tours, they tend to focus on the sightseeing of Santorini, mm-hmm. maybe a trip to a winery. Well, this is something completely different. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd always recommend it. Rhonda has the next question. Planning a Western Mediterranean cruise on the Allure of the Seas in 2020 out of Barcelona. Uh, any excursion suggestions for Naples that is off the beaten path or unique? We're trying to stay away from thousands of other tourists. I see. Okie dokie. So again, Naples, just like Santorini, um, is a super popular port of call, as you're aware. Um, And again, we have a whole host of different tours that we can offer there. Now, of course, Pompeii is the main attraction for anyone visiting Naples. Um, If you've not been to Pompeii before, it's definitely a must do. Um, Now, the tour I can offer here, that's something a little bit different. Um, It's a small group tour that we offer. And it's called The Mysteries of Pompeii, Mount Vesuvius, winery and lunch now as i say it's a small group so it's only got a maximum of 25 passengers so there you can see you know, it's far from being crowded um very quite personal intimate tour and with this they'd um of course they're going to get that guided tour of pompeii to start with so around about two hours within the ruins of pompeii um i'm sure you're, you're aware if you've been there before you know you could spend a whole week at pompeii and not see everything that it has to offer uh, but that little two hour snapshot, you know with your guide Try to get a good overview of what Pompeii used to be, um, obviously compared to what it is now. But it is just such a breathtaking sight um, and, and really does evoke quite a feeling inside of you of um, just think that this was a bustling city. Then one day it all just disappeared. Um, and it is quite daunting to think of that, really, especially when you can see the volcano looming in the background. Um, it's, it's quite scary to think. So obviously, once you've had your tour of Pompeii, you're then going to move on um, to Mount Vesuvius itself. So you'll go to the foot of Vesuvius, where, of course, you'll be able to spend some time there, um, taking in some pictures, uh, looking out along the, um, the Mediterranean Gulf and the Amalfi Coast there. 
So as you can imagine, just some spectacular views, gorgeous scenery, lovely crystal blue waters. Um, and then once you've spent the time at Vesuvius, you're then going to take a little trip to a winery just to round off the day. There's not better way to round it off than a, with a nice bit of lunch and some wine. So we'll go to a lovely little working vineyard um, where you'd have a, a, a guided tour of the grounds um, and then you'd be invited in, in for some, some lunch and then um, a tasting of six different wines from the winery itself. Um, so again, includes that must-see Pompeii of, you know, of Naples, but again, it's something a little bit different as well. So, um, so that is one I would always recommend. Um, just get something a little bit unique. Final question is from Bill. My wife has wine tasting in Tuscany very high on her list. Any thoughts? It seems to be all the wine drinkers today. No, I was just thinking um, that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, of course, you know, when porting into Tuscany, you know, a trip to a winery is definitely a must. Um, something not to be missed. So, again, we have another small group tour, um, which is called Pisa, Tuscan Winery, Lunch and Scenic Carriage Journey. Now, this is a tour I've actually taken myself um, when I was in um, Livorno with the company, and it was absolutely magical. Um, it was just something very different. You know, we went to Pisa, you know, we saw the Leaning Tower, we've got our picture holding it up, um, and we spent some time at the Square of Miracles there, seeing the baptistry and the cathedral, and taking all that Pisa has to offer. And then we took a lovely little scenic journey through the Tuscan countryside. You know, it's all rolling hills and poplar trees, and it's, it is stunning. It feels like you're in Gladiator, almost. That's what it reminds me of. Um, then obviously, once you want to arrive at the, um, the winery, again, you're going to take a lovely um, horse-drawn carriage ride, around the, uh, the grounds. Um, the horses are absolutely gorgeous as well. Sally and Jean, they're called, when I met them. Um, they were lovely, lovely things. And you get a lovely guided tour of the whole vineyard and the farm itself. And again, before coming back in to do um, your lunch and have some wine just to round off the day. I love it. You can find all of these tours we talked about at cruisingexcursions.com or just check out the show notes at cruiseradio.net. Rob, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Doug. It's been a pleasure as always. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Let's see what we've got for you. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.